Have you ever seen something from the corner of your eye that wasn't there a moment before? How about hearing from a friend of a friend that while they were hiking somewhere, they thought they saw something at best improbable. But when they spoke to, say, a park ranger or someone managing the area, they left you with a simple explanation that just left a little bit to be undesired. My name's Jack, and this is my colleague Chris, and we are Senior Wardens for the Creature Conservation Initiative. We protect the world from the creatures of superstition and myth, but more importantly, protect those same creatures from the world. So, as I say, my name is Jack, and me and my colleague here, Chris, we've been working for quite a while for the, uh, the Creature Conservation Initiative, a secret worldwide organization that looks after all those less than well-known beasts that exist out there. You'll have heard of them, the fairies, the sea creatures that seem just a little bit too fantastic, and uh, some of those birds that don't seem to really fit into the world. And you've sat there, and you've heard of them, and you've read the stories, but they're all, they're all fake, aren't they, Chris? They are absolutely fake. I've never seen a cat in my life. Exactly. Never seen a cat. I think that's probably the wrong one there for you, Chris. Uh, but we'll <laughs> probably need to station you in some better places. <laughs> but yeah. um, no, well, what we're actually here to do is actually lift the lid a bit on uh, what actually exists out there and to introduce you to, uh, to the world that you live in but you don't really know about. It's very, very strange. I mean, how, how easy do you find it to actually uh, persuade the general public that they didn't really see what they are so certain that they just did? Well, it's it's shockingly easy these days. You know, with social media and everything, you can just basically tell them whatever you want and someone will believe it and spread it for you. So in that way, it's kind of easy, but it's it's always been frustrating because, we, you know, we, we meet all these creatures and uh, interact with these fabulous beings and we can't talk anyone, uh, we can't tell anyone about them. I know that's it does drive you insane a little bit working as a uh, working as a operator or agent or you know whatever there's so many different names for us I mean it just kind of swaps depending on which country you're in at the at that moment but yeah it's who would have thought that things like movies like uh, Men in Black was actually a bit more of a documentary rather than a uh, <laughs> rather than a fictional film but, uh, well, at least in the way that they do things. And they were quite right, uh, the writers, when they said that people don't want to believe the fantastical True. and the weird. They want it to be normal. They want it to all be nice and safe. <laughs> and uh, I guess we're here to just say, sorry, it's not that safe. <laughs> <laughs> not safe anymore. 
right. Yeah. So, so what, are, what are we talking about today? Um, well, I thought we'd start off with one of my actual favourite... Um, one of my favourite beasts that I ever handled. Um, and probably one of the... Well, not even probably. It was literally the first one I ever handled as, a, uh, as an agent. Um, I wasn't actually even... Uh, well, I was obviously trained and qualified and whatnot. But um, I wasn't far from my training. I was waiting for my first proper posting, and uh, when I, um, but for a little while, up in up close in Scotland in the Orkneys, there was uh, just I think a an agent who was being transferred somewhere else or was having a uh, having a different um, bit of training or something. So the team up there was uh, low on uh, on agents, and I was just going up there for a few weeks to handle it, but. Uh, yeah, the creature that we're going to be talking about is the Nuklevi. Hmm, interesting. Also known it's... as the Devil of the Sea in the Orkneys. All right. Have you ever come across Evan? the Nuklevi? I I thought I saw one one day when I was uh, when I was in Shetland, it, but I wasn't sure. It's one of these uh, watery horse situations, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, you're not you're not too far wrong on that one. Yeah, they are um, kind of a watery horse, but they are absolutely terrifying to see. Um, I mean, there's not really an, an easy way, a nice way to describe it. In the dark, you can very easily mistake it for a very, very, very large horse with a very, very, very large rider. They're incredibly dangerous to really kind of encounter, and uh, yeah, they it's it's based around the Orkney Islands. You don't really get them uh, get them hanging around uh, anywhere else in the country or, or anywhere oh. else in the world. And for a very very long time, it was a creature of Scottish and more specifically Orkney myth um, and honestly it's one of the things that we tend not to bother about too much um, as operators they it's very very rare for them to come out of uh, the sea and you know it's it's not one of the main parts of the training but it is one of the things that if you're going to operate in the Orkneys you tend to find out about but um, yeah your kind of description of them being uh a big, like, horse of the sea kind of thing works quite well, except for they're described as having the head and torso in the shape of a man yeah. attached to the back of a horse. So it's like the torso at the, at the base, right around your waist, all of a sudden it's been it's fused into the back of a horse. The, Interesting. Oh, I know it's absolutely terrifying when you really see one, especially in the dark. It has a huge head and a large mouth that protrudes out a little bit like a pig, which is a bit surprising when you're kind of looking at a horse. I mean, look <laughs> at a horseman. Essentially, you're thinking something along the lines of horseman, centaur. You're no, not really thinking no. pig. <laughs> not really. No. It. 
The thing is, though, he also has a horse's head, obviously. Like I say, literally an entire and horse. Obviously. With a man with the man from the torso upwards on. Oh, so it's not replacing the horse. It's like like uh, like a rider, but fused with a horse. Yeah, basically. quite literally a case of the rider is on the back of the horse, but only but fused into the horse. Ah, okay, I get it. But that's yeah. definitely not what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, the creature has one single massive red eye that sits on the horse's forehead, essentially, which okay. is very unnerving. And it wouldn't be, it's, it's not looking great, but, you know, you, you start adding in the horse's hair and the, the man's skin and, you know, you kind of think it looks like, you know, some Cronenbergian nightmare or something kind of attached together. But no, no, no. To add to the horror, uh, this thing doesn't have any hair or skin. Mm. It is the raw body. And you can see all its veins, all the nerves pulsing around its entire body. You can see all the muscles, like there's no skin. Essentially think of your Sunday joint. Um, and that's basically what it looks like in a way. <laughs> that's the surface of its skin. Um, and yeah, it is not a very nice thing to see. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I kind of encountered it was, like I say... I was filling in for uh, a operator in the Orkneys in Scotland, that kind of area, and the rest of the team went out on a call. I think to, I think to go and literally deal with uh, some imps or something like that. You know, those cheeky things that. Uh, I mean, if I'm perfectly honest, I think throughout my entire career, I've probably been called out to imps more than anything else. Don't know if you've had a similar kind of uh, kind of. Um, uh, experience, but those things just seem to pop up everywhere and uh, cause no end of trouble. Oh, yeah. I've um, seen more than I ever want to in my life. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, as well as that, say the rest of the team were just going to handle that, and I was actually mostly, mostly supposed to be um, staying on site, uh, you know, just manning the lines and uh, giving anyone support that was necessary. But basically, I got a phone call through uh, saying that uh, along the uh, northern coastlines um, there had been a sighting of something that well, terrified the living hell out of pretty much anyone that was seeing it and um, so uh, when I approached I obviously came across and found well as I say this horror show <laughs> kind of marching up the uh, beach towards me at the time now, oh man! Oh yeah! So what? What do you do? I mean, you're not going to run away from a horse. It's going to be faster than you, right? <laughs> well, there is that, and it's um, it's quite an interesting one to deal with. But before we kind of go on to how you get rid of them, I feel like you need to speak a little bit about what their motives are. So, with the Nuklevi, or the devil of the sea, or whatever. It's as I say, it's been. It's supposed to be a malevolent spirit, but based on what uh, our research has shown, it's less of a malevolent spirit, more of an annoyed one. <laughs> well, it was always kind of uh, 
expected to be there. Everyone knew about it. it over like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, everyone in the Orkneys knew that they existed, but they didn't see them very often until they started to burn kelp. Apparently, the toxic kind of fumes that come from burning kelp and, you know, the noxious fumes and everything essentially annoyed the Nuklavi in its uh, oh. sea domain. And um, it essentially came up onto the uh, surface to uh, voice a complaint. It's probably the best way to put it. <laughs> it's... <laughs> But the it's so why the things that trigger these these creatures sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, burning seaweed and burning kelp basically enraged it enough to come out onto the sea, but <laughs> onto the um, onto the land. But instead of it turning around and you know writing a, a strongly worded letter like um, like our, as Brits like to do, <laughs> it actually came on and started killing crops and horses. That's not great. Yeah, it turns out it's got an incredibly toxic breath, which infected the uh, affected obviously the crops on the farms and whatnot all along the aisles, which then obviously much endangered life within the yeah. area. <laughs> um, and the toxic breath also gave the horses of the island a disease called mortachine. What? On earth is that? If you, if I'm perfectly honest, I could never really find out that much about Mortachine. But all I know was it was damn well fatal. Mm. Now, obviously, as is uh, as is how it always is in myth, the the creature didn't always didn't just immediately come the moment someone lit a, a bit of seaweed on fire and walked away from everything. It was held under the sea during the summer months by the mother of the sea. Or the Miver of the Sea, which is an entirely different thing for us to talk about at, uh, at another day. But essentially, the Mother of the Sea think good, the Devil of the Sea think bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice and Makes easy sense. Way to, to think of it. But only in the kind of around the summer months when the Mother of the Sea had the strength to hold it down. In actual fact, we're not really too sure why the hell it didn't seem to bother anyone around um, uh, around the summer months that much. I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe it was just selective. Maybe it really, really, really hated uh, the smell of uh, burning seaweed um, in winter. Maybe the cold makes it worse. Maybe. I've never really been around burning seaweed. Um, but yeah. So when it was able to escape from the mother of the sea... It started coming up onto land, or, or so Orkney legend went. Now, there is a bit of an odd way in which you handle these creatures. The only thing that seems to stop the Nuklavi, because this is one of those endangered ones that uh, you that obviously we'll speak about, and we very much do not allow killing of these monsters in any way, shape, or form, unless. There is no other choice, which, again, very as you know, is very much the ethos of uh, the of organization. It doesn't die unless it's going to kill someone, essentially, is how, uh, how I see it. Um, but the funny thing is, the way in which you keep these creatures away is 
running water. You, you'd think they'd like that. I know, they come from yeah. the bloody sea. If, I don't know <laughs> any water that's more running than that. Exactly. But it seems to be fresh running water keeps them away. There's actually uh, the only uh, known uh, encounter, or mythological encounter, in the public eye. Uh, basically talks about a man named Tamas, who, and this is very a very, very, very long time ago, um, encountered one of these creatures, ran as fast as he possibly could, uh, you know, screaming and shouting, effing and blinding as he's going, um, and somehow managed to essentially get across a stream, at which point the noxious breath did knock him out, but the creature left him alone. Oh. We, the one thing I can say for certain is if it had caught him, it would have killed him. These are. This is where kind of like that evil malevolence comes in. They are not forgiving. They catch. They kill. Oh. I mean. But uh, even so, as um, as creatures go, when I was encountering one, I didn't have to worry about dealing with it in the same way that this Tamas uh, man did many, many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago. Luckily. When I spotted it, I spoke with the uh, with the lab, keeping very much on the edge of the beaches and out of the way. I sure as hell was not going any closer <laughs> to this thing. And we identified it as a nuclear V. And it turns out, we uh, in the modern world we have water cannons. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, we worked with the we worked with the uh, crowd control uh, groups. They obviously kept the general public out of the way. Luckily, it was very very early in the morning. We're talking like three o'clock in the morning, so well, you know, a lot of people can be out in cities and things at three o'clock in the morning. But luckily, on the beaches, not many people were. Uh, but yeah, we made a cordon. We put it around and basically went back to uh, the camp. And fetched the uh, fetched essentially our fire trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Got the uh, hose pipe out, and using it, a... redirected it back towards the water. That's pretty clever. So what what did you tell the yeah. uh, fire department, or were they in on the whole thing? Oh, uh, what did I tell the fire department? <laughs> I'm a little bit proud about this one. Um. I didn't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have known. You know. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, turns out they're not that hard to hotwire. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we went, borrowed one. It was a bit of a. It was definitely a bit of a trek to try and uh, get it close enough to um, the uh, beach that I was able to, you know, spray yeah. it. Because whereas the hose pipes were. Oh, long. They're not that long, and luckily the rest of the team arrived uh, around the time when I was about to start. They finished off dealing with the imps, and um, yeah, we coordinated and basically made a semicircle along the water, along the yeah. beach line, and forced it back. The only way it could have been easier is if it had been raining, and the only reason, the only reason that would have been easier is because the damn thing wouldn't have come onto the <laughs> surface. But, yeah, apart from that, they are... 
they are incredibly easy to deal with now from a modern perspective, but I can understand why these creatures made it such a position of hatred within Orkneys and Scotland yeah. and everything else that kind of goes along yeah, in those. definitely. Well, I mean, for one, they're incredibly dangerous. If they can destroy crops, I mean, imagine if that thing, had, if we hadn't have noticed it, if uh, no one had told us about it or anything, and it got anywhere near one of the farms. I mean, if it can kill horses with its uh, breath and giving a disease, it can kill farm animals. That is, that is just dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, obviously, we don't do things like burning seaweed on the surface or along the uh, beaches anymore. <laughs> So, obviously, the main question is, why is it still coming up onto land now? Do you have an answer, or should I propose one? Because I, I am... I am kind of curious about... I what? am thinking of uh, Asian cuisine. Because a lot of Asian restaurants are using <laughs> seaweeds and algae and stuff in their cooking. And when they grill it or cook it or whatever, you're going to smell it. And maybe that's attracting the nuclevies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, that was one I wasn't expecting there, Chris. But yeah, the um, no, uh, it's could could have been. I mean, who knows? Maybe it is. We don't. We're not able to communicate with these creatures either. So it's you can't really get their perspective. But I mean, my in my view, it's we are doing so much around the sea now, in and out of the sea. We're extracting oil we've got tankers going across it non-stop yeah. there is pollution from just us using it as a rule yeah. um and i think it's just setting these creatures off and making them kind of pop up a little bit more yeah. here and there because i mean that was one of the first times we'd seen them in years and probably over the next few I years that we've been having that. an increase in uh, in Nuclear V sightings. So much so that it's actually made it onto some of the um, the standard training for, not just for if you're uh, going to Scotland or anything, you know, those, those country-specific courses, um, yeah. but uh, the ones, if you're actually just going to be within the UK, it's managed to find its way onto that, onto that training course, and uh, that's mm. not something you do you tend to find. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's been studies that whales and all kinds of sea creatures are affected by pollution and noise and whatnot, so why not the Nuklavi? Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense and to me. Evidently, the Maivo to sea, as, uh, it's kind of, as it's properly known, is uh, not holding them down anymore. So, uh, mm, um, like I say, it's really, really, it's relatively simple to handle these, but it's one of those ones that we we kind of wish we didn't have to. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, you you say they're easy to handle, and maybe in your position it is, but not everyone is going to be able to hotwire a fire truck. <laughs> so I can see that there's still a very real danger for the uh, for the common for the common person. Yeah, and of course for crops that uh, can't. Uh, that can't hotwire yeah, well, fire I mean, trucks either. It, we're only just kind of uh, setting up um, monitoring properly around the beaches around the around the world here and there. I mean, obviously, yeah. some countries have the monitoring uh, system set up a lot earlier than others, uh, just by yeah. uh, 
just by the nature of uh, the threats that they have in those areas. But yeah, I mean, we don't know I've... if these things can climb. Can they climb up sheer cliffs? Pretty much all that we question. know is that they approach from beaches. But huh. that's more a case of we haven't seen anything else rather than it can't. So who knows? I mean, we could be we could be looking at the start of uh, an increase of activity in these kind of uh, animals. And huh. yeah, the the research teams really need to kind of get get on top of this a little bit more. I, I personally feel, but I mean, for yeah. God's sakes, we're a uh, we're worldwide. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> <laughs> the research teams always need to get on top of any of something, don't they? Yeah, that's true. But uh, you know, there is obviously an increase in sightings, so I I think it's warranted that we focus some resources on that. Mm. Very much so. Very much so. So, uh, I, is there anything? I else do you wonder. Want yeah, I I do wonder in terms of uh, poisoning crops and all that. Is a uh, is an irrigation system enough to keep them away with its uh, running water? So could we could we maybe tap into these to uh, save some crops here and there without making I mean, too much of a in fuss? In a way, but I think that just stops the that will just stop the nuclevi. Whereas yeah. what is what kills the crops is their toxic breath. They breathe out, and that obviously passes over water and whatnot, and yeah. uh, kind of permeates into. The general climate and atmosphere, and that's what okay. kills the crops off. So that they have a range yeah. on their breath. Yeah, yeah. think of it. Uh, okay. They're range. They're ranged attackers. Although, <laughs> having seen, uh, having seen the size of one of their roofs, I'm. They can probably do some pretty good melee damage as well. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got to remember, this is basically a massive skinless horse with a human attached to or human's torso and head attached to its back that has a massive red eye that stares deep into your soul you've got to handle that well, that sounds absolutely yeah, horrifying the fact that you can pretty much see the black blood pumping through their veins yeah jeez <laughs> oh, it yeah. looks like basically someone was starting to skin a horse and it woke up well, that, that, would that would explain why it's annoyed. annoyed. And that would also be a wonderful way to give everyone nightmares and leave them on that. So, mm, that was uh, our discussion a little bit about the Nuklevi. Uh, the very One of the very first creatures I ever handled as an operator. And one mm. that is very much stuck in my mind. Yeah. What, what a creature to I handle know, on was, your first uh, time. It was definitely a moment. Yeah, that's uh, that will make it for our very first, uh, very first episode, and uh, the very first creature that you are now aware of in the world. Yeah. Um, so, if you're planning one. to burn kelp, yeah, uh, don't. don't do it in the uh, in the Orkneys. What about uh, our <laughs> next episode, Chris? We're going to be passing the book off to each other bit by bit yeah. uh, while we talk about essentially partially about uh, our careers but also about the creatures that we've uh, encountered throughout it um, so next time is Chris's go and uh, give us a yeah. bit of a sneak peek of uh, the first creature and next time uh, we're going to talk about uh, 
It was not my first encounter, but one of the first, and the one I recently had a close encounter with, and it's a basilisk, which is kind of funny, even since we're talking about a poisonous breath, and that's pretty, pretty much uh, the basilisk thing. Yeah, seems like it. Yes, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't believe I've come across a basilisk myself, uh, or at least not directly. So I'm very interested in those ones, but I do know that they are on the more dangerous list. Um, yeah, and then you definitely have to know how to handle them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to go through the uh, the more high threat training. I think they uh, tend yeah, to call yeah, it to yeah. do with them. Yeah, that it's it's a whole thing. It's a big course you have to take and. Uh, an exam on top of that and yeah even then you you need to stay concentrated but but we'll get more into that uh, next week when we talk about it and don't want to take well, too much away that's uh that makes up for our first episode so thank you very much uh, for anyone who's listening if you enjoyed that then please do uh follow uh follow this podcast and uh we'll speak to you next time yeah. see, see you, you next time, time folks